Chapter Twenty Two of Agnes Sorrel by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Two. All great events are made up of small incidents. The world is composed of atoms, and so is fate. A man pulling a small bit of iron under a gun performs an act, abstractedly of not much greater importance than a lady when she pins her dress but let this small incident be combined with three other facts that of there being a cartridge in the gun that of twenty thousand men all pulling their triggers at the same moment that of there being twenty thousand men opposite and you have the glorious event of a great battle with its long sequence of misery and joy glory and shame affecting the world perhaps to the end of time two little incidents occurred at the chateau of beauté during the day the commencement of which we have just noticed not apparently very much worthy of remark but which nevertheless must be noted down in this very accurate piece of chronology the first was the arrival of a courier whose face jean charost knew though it was some time before he could fix it to the neck and shoulders of a man whom he had seen at pithiviers not in the colours of the house of burgundy but in those of fair madame de giac the letter he bore was addressed to the duke of orleans and it evidently troubled him threw him into a fit of musing occupied his thoughts for some moments and made the duchess somewhat anxious lest evil news had reached her lord he did not tell her the contents of the note however nor return any answer at the time but sent the man away with largesse saying he would write the next incident was another arrival that of a party of three or four gentlemen from paris who were invited to stay at the chateau of beauté that night and who supped with the duke and duchess in the great hall the duke's face was exceedingly cheerful and his health was evidently improved since the morning when some secret cause seemed to have moved and depressed him a great deal the conversation principally turned upon the events which had lately taken place in paris they were generally of little moment but one piece of intelligence the strangers brought was evidently to the duke at least of greater importance than the rest the guests reported confidently that the unhappy king charles the sixth had shown decided symptoms of one of those periodical returns to reason which chequered with occasional bright gleams his dark and melancholy career the duke seemed greatly pleased mused upon the tidings questioned his informant closely but uttered not his own thoughts whatever they might be and retired to rest at an early hour during the whole of that day without absenting himself for any length of time from his own apartments jean charost wandered a good deal about the castle and to say sooth looked somewhat impatiently for juvenel de royen in every place where he was likely to be met with he did not find him anywhere however and on asking signor lomellini where he should find the young gentleman he was informed dryly that monsieur de royen was particularly engaged in some affairs of the duke's and would not like to be disturbed the evening passed somewhat dully for jean charost for he confined himself almost altogether to his own apartments expecting every moment that the prince would send for him but in this he was disappointed he did not venture to retire to rest till nearly midnight and then he slept as soundly as in life's happiest days and he was only awakened in the morning by the sound of a trumpet announcing as he rightly judged 
the departure of the preceding evening's guests he was dressing himself slowly and quietly when martin grille bustled into the room exclaiming quick sir quick or you will have no breakfast have you not heard any news the duke sets out in half an hour for paris and you will be wanted of course half the household stays here with the duchess go with twenty lances and the lay brethren of which class praised be god for all things you and i may consider ourselves i have had no commands replied jean charost but i will be ready at all events not many minutes elapsed however ere a notification reached him that he would be required to accompany the prince to the capital all speed was made and breakfast hastily eaten but haste was unnecessary for an hour or two elapsed before the cavalcade set out and it did not reach paris till toward the close of the day the duke looked fatigued and as he dismounted in the courtyard of his hotel he called lomelini to him saying let me have some refreshment in my own chamber lomelini send to the prior of the celestin saying that i wish to see him to-morrow at noon there will be a banquet too at night twelve persons will be invited of high degree de bracy i have something to say to you he then walked on up the steps into the house jean charost following close and after a moment or two he turned saying in a low voice come to me as the clock strikes nine come privately by the toilet chamber door enter at once without knocking several of the other attendants were following at some distance but the duke spoke almost in a whisper and his words were not heard jean charost bowed and fell back but lomelini who had now become exceedingly affectionate again to the young secretary said in his ear come and sup in my room in half an hour they will fare but ill in the hall to-night for nothing is prepared here but we will contrive to do better a few minutes afterward the duke having been conducted to his chamber door the attendants separated and jean charost betook himself to his own rooms where martin grille was already busily engaged in arranging his apparel in the large fixed coffers with which each chamber was furnished there was a sort of nervous anxiety in the good man's manner which struck his master the moment he entered but laying his sword on the table and seating himself by it jean charost fell into a quiet and somewhat pleasing fit of musing just sufficiently awake to external things to remark that ever and anon martin stopped his work and gave a quick glance at his face at length the young gentleman rose made some change in his apparel removed the traces of travel from his person and buckled on his sword again pray sit said martin grille in a tone of fear and trepidation pray sir don't go through the little hall for that boisterous good-for-nothing bully juvenel de royen is there all alone watching for you i am sure he was freed from his arrest this morning and he would have fallen upon you on the road i dare say if there had not been so many persons round his arrest said jean charost how came he in arrest on account of his quarrel with you yesterday morning monsieur de bracy replied martin grille did you not know it all the household heard of it i have been deceived answered jean charost signor lomelini told me he was engaged when i inquired for him but you are mistaken martin a few sharp words do not make exactly a quarrel but there was no need of placing de royen under arrest it was a very useless precaution so much so indeed that i think you must be mistaken he must have given some offence to the duke that could not easily be settled he then paused for a moment or two in thought and added 
wait here till i return and if de royan should come tell him i am supping with signor lomelini but will be back soon do as i order you and make no remonstrance if you please thus saying he left the room and bent his step at once toward the little hall leaving at some distance on the right the great dining-room from which loud sounds of merriment were breaking forth he hardly expected to find juvenal de royan still in the place where martin grille had seen him for the sound of gay voices was ever ready to lead him away on opening the door however the faint light in the room showed him a figure at the other end beyond the table moodily pacing to and fro from one side of the room to the other and jean charost needed no second glance to tell him who it was he advanced directly toward him taking a diagonal line across the hall so that de royan could not suppose he was merely passing through the young man instantly halted and faced him but jean charost spoke first saying my valet told me monsieur de royan that you were here alone and as i could not find you yesterday when i sought you i am glad of the opportunity of speaking a few words with you sought for me cried de royan methinks no one ought to have known better where i was than yourself you are mistaken replied jean charost i asked signor lomellini where i could find you and he told me you would be occupied all day in some business of the duke's a lying old pander exclaimed de royan bitterly but our business may soon be settled de bracy if you are inclined to risk a thrust here i am ready for you no place makes any difference in my eyes in mine it does replied jean charost very quietly you are not a coward i suppose cried the young man impetuously i believe not replied jean charost and there are few things that i should be less afraid of than risking a thrust with you monsieur de royan in any proper place and circumstances here in a royal house you ought to be well aware we should subject ourselves by broiling to disgraceful punishment and we can well afford to wait for a more fitting opportunity which i will not fail to give you if you deserve it of course i do replied juvenal de royan i do not see the of course replied jean charost i have never injured you in anything never insulted you in any way have borne perhaps too patiently injury and insult from you and have certainly the most cause to complain well i am ready to satisfy you exclaimed de royan with a laugh on horseback or on foot with lance and shield or sword and dagger do not let us spoil a good quarrel with silly explanations we are both of one mind it seems let us settle preliminaries at once i have not time to settle all preliminaries now replied jean charost for i am expected in another place but so far we can arrange our plan the day after to-morrow i will ask the duke's permission to go for three days to mantes i will return at once to moudon you can easily get out of paris for an hour or two and join me there at the auberge then a ten minutes walk will place us where we can settle our dispute without risk to the survivor on my life this is gallant replied de royan with a considerable change of expression you are a lad of spirit after all de bracy you have insulted my father's memory by supposing otherwise replied jean charost but do not let us add bitterness to our quarrel we understand each other whenever you hear i am gone to mantes remember you will find me the next day at moudon and so good-night thus saying he left him and hurried to the eating-room of lomelini who would fain have extracted from him what the duke had said to him as they passed into the house 
but jean charost was upon his guard and as soon as supper was over returned to his own chamber martin grille though he had quick eyes could discover no trace of emotion on his young master's countenance and desperately tired of his solitary watch he gladly received his dismissal for the night a few minutes after jean charost issued from his room again and walked with a silent step to the door of the duke's toilet chamber no attendants were in waiting as was usual and following the directions he had received he opened the door and entered he was surprised to find the prince dressed in mantle and hood as if ready to go out but upon the table before him was lying a perfumed note open and another fastened with rose-coloured silk and sealed welcome de bracy said the duke with a gay and smiling air i wish you to render me a service my friend you must take this note for me to-night to the house of madame de giac and give it to her own hand hear what she says and bring me her answer i shall be at the queen's palace near the porte barbette the blood rushed up into jean charost's face covering it over with a woman-like blush it was the most painful moment he had ever as yet experienced in existence his mind instantly rushed to a conclusion from premises that he could hardly define to his own mind much less explain to the duke of orleans he fancied himself employed in the basest of services used for the most disgraceful of purposes and yet nothing had been said which could justify him in refusing to obey whether he would or not however and before he could consider the words oh sir burst from his lips and his face spoke the rest plainly enough the duke of orleans gazed at him with a frowning brow and a flashing eye and then demanded in a loud stern tone what is it you mean sir jean charost was silent for an instant and then replied with painful embarrassment i hardly know what i mean your highness i may be wrong and doubtless am wrong but i feared that the errand on which your highness sends me might be one unbecoming me to execute and which your highness might afterward regret to have given he had gone a step too far so dangerous with the spoiled children of fortune the anger of the duke was excessive he spoke loud and sharply reproached his young secretary for presuming upon his kindness and condescension and reproved him in no very measured terms for daring to intermeddle with his affairs and jean charost feeling at his heart that he had most assuredly exceeded perhaps the bounds of due respect had come to conclusions for which there was no apparent foundation and had suffered his suspicions to display themselves offensively stood completely cowed before the prince when the duke at length stopped he answered in a tone of sincere grief i fear that i have erred sir greatly erred and that i should have obeyed your commands without even presuming to judge of them pray remember sir that i am very young perhaps too young for the important post i fill if your highness dismisses me from your service i cannot be surprised but believe me sir wherever i go i shall carry with me the same feelings of gratitude and affection which had no small share in prompting the very conduct which has given you just defence affection and gratitude said the duke still in an angry tone what can affection and gratitude have to do with disobedience to my commands and impertinent intrusion into my affairs they might sir answered jean charost for your highness communicated to me at a former time some regrets 
and I witnessed the happiness and calm of mind which followed the noble impulses that prompted them. Gratitude and affection, then, made me grieve to think that this very letter which I hold in my hand might give cause to fresh regrets, or perhaps to serious perils, for I am bound to say that I doubt this lady, that I doubt her affection or friendship for your highness, that I am sure she is linked most closely to your enemies. "'You should not have judged of my acts at all,' replied the Duke of Orléans. "'What I do not communicate to you, you have no business to investigate.' your judgment of the lady may be right or wrong but in your judgment of my conduct you are altogether wrong there is nothing in that note which i ever can regret and could you see its contents you would learn at once the danger and presumption of intruding into what does not concern you to give you the lesson i must not sacrifice my dignity and though in consideration of your youth your inexperience and your good intentions i will overlook your error in the present instance remember it must not be repeated jean charost moved toward the door while the duke remained in thought but before he reached it the prince's voice was heard exclaiming in a more placable tone de bracy de bracy do you know the way as little in this case as in the last replied jean charost with a faint smile come hither come hither poor youth holding out his hand to him good-humouredly there think no more of it all young men will be fools now and then now go and get a horse you will find my mule saddled in the court wait there till i come i am going to visit my fair sister the queen who is ill at the hotel barbette and we pass not far from the place to which you are going i will direct you so that you cannot mistake jean charost hurried away and was ready in a few minutes in the court he found a cream-coloured mule richly caparisoned and two horses saddled with a few attendants on foot around but the duke had not yet appeared when he did come four of the party mounted and rode slowly on through the moonlight streets of paris which were now silent and almost deserted after going about half a mile the duke reined in his mule and pointed down another street which branched off on the right directed jean charost to follow it and take the second turning on the left the first hotel he added on the right is the house you want then return to this street follow it out to the end and you will see the hotel barbette before you bring me thither an account of your reception his tone was grave and even melancholy and jean charost merely bowed his head in silence he gave one glance at the duke's face from which all trace of anger had passed away and then they parted never to meet again End of chapter 22